Hey, Adam. What you doing? Hey, man. Workday show. Workday show. It's Friday. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're at home, and we were talking, and we were like, why don't we just record this complaint fest that we're doing right now? Uh, yeah, that's that's what we're doing. So what's on your mind? Uh, well, I'm, right now I'm loading up my truck at the job. Like, right? I'll try not to bang around my team. Well, it wouldn't be a slip angle show if the audio quality was good and free of bangs and whirs. So I just, how are the levels? They're, they're not great. Um, no, I, uh, I, I was finishing up editing an episode of, um, the show with Andrew. Uh, we, we did a little bit over lunchtime and there's a decent chunk of the show where Andrew's crew in the background for, um, his GLTC weekend is like using an angle grinder. And I was like, no, this, this fits. (laughs) <laughs> like the loudest tool they could possibly be using. <laughs> I didn't know that they had any uh, any angle grinder needs. Uh, the car seemed, uh, his old BMW seemed pretty solid. So. He was uh, so stoked to have a really good race weekend. Um, he talked a little bit about how much pressure was relieved after they got a podium, I think, in race one, where right. like after that was done, the rest was just like, let's just have fun. They were on those Goodyear like supercar S something three R's, yeah, yep. That's uh, that's a that's like the tire I tire I don't know much about, but Tromo uh, uh, was talking about them also. I, think, I guess he tested his S two thousand on them and said like they're really amazing. Yeah, um, um, I threw I threw a durometer on them in grid in in Nola, which you know it's not the most scientific test, but uh, it was they were you know. On, they weren't hot, but they weren't cold. You know, they were room temperature. It was like 70 degrees out. And okay. They were softer than old Hoosiers on the car behind it. So, Interesting. Um, well, yeah, at least. I mean, obviously, his um, were fresher than these, these cheap Hoosiers. But. Well, at least uh, that, that data will itself be internally consistent, right? Because you took yeah. the measurements back to back. So yep. even if, you know, from day to day, those measurements change, you can say like, hey, a new 3R is probably softer than a uh, an old hoosier yeah not uh i mean it's old hoosiers they, they get uh, they obviously get the grip back once you get some temperature in them but um i thought it was interesting i, I had it in the pit cart and uh, i i think i walked up and down most of the grid and uh, aside from fresh hoosiers the uh andrew's tires were the softest so interesting yeah so yeah we were we were complaining earlier um you you just closed on your house uh, finally got moved a little bit. Yep. Um, I'm that, living my life process, in boxes. That process sucks. <laughs> it does. Yeah. How, how did, uh, how did everything go? It got pushed back a week, right? It did. Um, or, After uh, your first sale fell through. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So we've been, we've been fighting this for a little while. Um, we were scheduled to close on Friday the 13th and, uh, that's that, a problem right there. That's what Ashley said. Um, yeah. That didn't happen. We ended up closing on Tuesday, um, which uh, uh, kind of forced us to play musical chairs with scheduling movers and uh, making sure that our house was packed to be ready to move. Um, and like our closings were during the day. So the I'll, I'll complain a minute. It cost me $1,000 extra. Uh, the movers came to my house in the morning. And they arrived mm-hmm. earlier than I wanted them to. And so they packed up the whole house really quick. But we didn't take possession of the new house until about 2 o'clock. 
Um, so they just had to sit in the truck. They sat in the truck for three hours. Oh, jeez. And uh, yeah, that's three hundred dollar an hour movers. Uh huh. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, and uh, you know, I'm not going to mention the name of the movers because they're the only company that were available, and they were flexible with my schedule, so they get credit for that. But um, well, you got to—they're paying the dudes. So, so um, I mean, I—I I, I think it's fair to assume that if you ever hire movers, regardless of the circumstances, you will likely end up paying them a full day, right? Because. It's a day's work. Right. And most people don't move to, uh, in the same town or like town to town either. Like they're moving across country. Right. So um, uh, what was interesting is that once they did arrive at our house, once we got to the new place, um, you know, it was like, I don't know, 2.30 or so. And then they start unloading trucks. And it's like they were, they were two like conventional box trucks. And, right. um, uh, you know, like the day wears on and then it's like getting close to five o'clock and like, even though all the boxes and the furniture was marked for where stuff was supposed to go, they were like, man, shit, we got to get out of here. So they're like, they just like piled stuff in the kitchen. <laughs> and so like I have stuff in the kitchen now that belongs in like the nursery or the master bedroom or whatever. And like, right. I have to wade through it just to figure out which box goes where, just so I have enough room to like move. <laughs> See, you, you, you have like uh 10% of your house is overfilled and the rest of the house is needing to be filled still. Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay. But again, they get credit because when I found out I wasn't moving on Friday, I called them and I said, Hey guys, like uh, I would expect we would close on the next business day, which is Monday. Um, but like, are you guys also available on Tuesday? And uh, at the time when I talked to them on Thursday night, they said, yeah, that should be no problem. Um, I didn't know that we wouldn't be closing on Monday until Saturday night, uh, at which point I was in a position where I couldn't really do anything other than text the guy. And then I talked to him on Sunday and he's like, Hey man, we're booked up Tuesday. And I was like, shit. (laughs) So they were already the backup movers because the first movers couldn't accommodate at all. And, uh, I was like, uh, I need to figure something out. And they were just like, well, we'll, we'll figure it out. Just count on us moving Tuesday. So, I imagine we got like the B or C crew at the event or at, at the move. Um, right. And I, I think I can validate that by saying that these guys left multiple things of their own property uh, <laughs> in our house after the move. And we have not heard from them. Like so they, what? Uh, like, like a decently heavy duty hand truck for moving stuff. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, truck. great. Now I have, Three. Um, <laughs> you only have one Abe, though. I, I know. And like one guy left his coat and another guy left a Bluetooth speaker. And I was like, who doesn't take inventory of the stuff before they leave a job site? B-side. B-side crew. That's it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So well, you uh, gotta move. I'm in my new house. I'm in my new office, which is just like an alcove in the basement, which is great. Uh, the Internet here is banging. Um, I'm super happy. Your old internet was like the fastest internet I had ever seen at a place. So you said this is like twice as fast. So, uh, I, I paid for gig service at the last place, but consistently I would get when, when the wires traveled through my house, I would consistently get about three fifty down and three fifty up at my desk, which is where I, you know, record podcasts and do whatever. Um, I do a speed test at my desk. Now I get like, 600 down and 600 up. And, uh, if I like test the router directly, 
it's like 950 down, 950 up. That's uh that's a lot. That's a lot that's a lot of GBs. That's a lot of bits and gigs and ups and downs. So um I think I get like eighteen, twelve. Oh God. Well it's because you're at the end of the line. Sorry. <laughs> Choo-choo, everybody off. Here's the last internet stop. <laughs> and it's just a bunch of, like, drunk internets. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think we've talked since uh, NOLA happened, and I did not listen to the show between you and Derek. Did you have oh, you any... Missed, you missed a real gem. Actually, did, it didn't feel like a good show. So. <laughs> um, except for you guys calling me out to make sure the show got up uploaded in time. So thanks for that. Yeah, um, call out the app. Did uh, did you run into any trouble on the drive back? I uh, blew a tire. Actually, I blew like the the husk of a tire um, on the I bus. Felt like a poof, uh, on the trailer. Okay. Um, and uh, I never seen like a, a non semi truck tire delaminate like that. It literally, just like lost the whole husk of it. Weird. Uh, and I thought, ah, oh, shoot, I got a blown tire. Looked in the. Um, it was like nine thirty at night, going through Southern Illinois. Um, down by Champagne, and uh, looked in the mirror, and I'm seeing sparks randomly. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit! It's not, I hope it's not a hub again. Because <laughs> you'd already uh, bought two. Yeah, I already changed two, and then I found the wrong one for a spare. It, like, didn't have the drum, but it was like the hub portion, which would still bolt on to like that axle stub in in, in worst case scenario. Um, but to keep me rolling, you know. But uh, so I had that as a backup. But pulled off the side of the road, and the thing was still holding air. Um, it just didn't have any tread. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> it was really strange, but that was the tire that was like dragging sideways a little bit on the wheel bearing and it, it, uh, it corded itself. Uh, I don't know how long that bearing was bad, uh, but it was bad for long enough to cord the inside of the tire. And I only had one spare. So I thought, well, we're going to run on this thing. Once it's pointed straight, you know, it's not going to be rubbing the core or rubbing the, the bad area. So. Uh, which turned out to be the case for about 15 hours of driving, and then it then it exploded. So that's wild. But yeah, not not a bad drive. The um, when we got there, uh, the bus was leaking all kinds of oil. Um, like uh, the whole front of the trailer was black with oil, um, and I knew it was dripping. I couldn't find it, uh, so I thought, you know what, we're just gonna get there. Um, and I, I bought a bunch of cleaning supplies, and Nola has this this grid area that is covered and it's lit up at night uh, and it's big enough to pull a, a, a bus under. That's <laughs> so, awesome. So when we got there, we unloaded the trailer right there and me and Cone uh, like climbed underneath and like literally cleaned the whole engine uh, with like brake clean and carb cleaner and acetone or like paint thinner or something. Um, and, uh, and then I started like feeling around while it was idling and it wasn't puking anything out while it was idling. No drips, no nothing. Um, feeling around, feeling around, and it turns out there's an, there's an oil fill like a access, uh, and it, it seems like this one's made for generators. Um, like if if this engine's also fit, this engine's like a it's eight point three Cummins, so it's fitted into like anything, um, combines, generators, pickup trucks, semi or semi trucks, medium duty semi trucks, uh, everything. This one's on the side of the engine, right below the injection pump, and there's like an oil fill, and they had capped it off with like a freeze plug. Um, and it was just loose. Like the freeze plug came loose on the way back from Colorado and just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it was, and it would like oil would hit it and then like drip down the side of it, get blown all over the side of the engine. So I couldn't see where any of the leaks were Interesting. Uh, until I reached around after I'd cleaned it and finally figured out I'd changed like two hoses and tightened up some fittings and 
uh, all kinds of crap, like trying to sort this leak out since Pikes Peak. But finally figured it out, and then uh, no oil on the way home, which is great. So, so that was a plus. I can't complain about that. But, like we lost like two quarts in like 16 hours of driving going to Nola. So you only is, had 50 extra quarts? Yeah, I only had like 24 more quarts. What's that noise? Somebody is calling me. I should close my uh, other tabs. Hold on, people. It's all mind. that Google Voice spam. Mm, got it. Yeah, it's kind of loud and, and interesting sounding on my end. Thought maybe it was me. Mm, um, no, sorry. My, my biggest complaint right now is I can't get out of what feels like a crippling depression, and I don't know even why I have it. <laughs> Uh, because it's like, it's because like your life worst. is mega busy and you never have time to sit down ever. Uh, it's probably most of it. And when I do sit down, I'm like, I got to forget everything, uh, and uh, and I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or I just do emails for for an hour or you know something. Uh, at least we don't have an event until March, which is nice. And the one in March is low lift, and then the other one in March is low lift. So we have two in March. Uh, yeah, we're looking to uh, to rent uh, multiple surfaces at Streets of Willow or at oh, Willow yeah. Springs. I mean, um, but it'll mostly be like media day and like maybe a invite only time attack or something super simple. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's a couple of weeks before Formula Drift um, season opener in California, so uh, so it'll be like a, hopefully a practice day for our buddies in the Formula Drift world. So we'll see. That'd be cool. But, yeah, we did um, an event there. Uh, I guess what was it like a year ago? Was it two years uh, ago? Year, two years ago, January the twenty. It was twenty nineteen, I think. Man, time's going by really fast. We've been we've that, been at this good life stuff for a long there. time. I've been doing this podcast since twenty fifteen. You've been doing it since like twenty eighteen. Yeah, dude. Or nine, at least at least right around then. Um, but yeah. It, uh, that trip was, that trip was nuts. Like we flew, didn't you come to Chicago and we flew out together? We did. Yeah. Yeah. And then we went to uh, your fancy, your fancy club at the airport. Yeah. That was cool. <laughs> do you, do you remember airports? I don't. Uh, I hate airports except for when I'm traveling with you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's weird, man. Like I, I don't know if we're going to complain about stuff like, um, Ashley and I made the decision that we're not going to do Thanksgiving with any of the family. Um, right. Uh, mostly because we're worried about the potential of other people getting sick, right? We're, we do not want Ashley's parents to be ill because we, I don't know, infected them by accident or um, they felt compelled to go to a Thanksgiving because we were going to be there or not. So we yeah, just they said, want to see the baby, but Ashley, Ashley's a healthcare worker and might have the vid. <laughs> right. So um, we're lucky enough that neither of us uh, are expressing any symptoms, but like um, Ashley's parents are, they're not super young and they're not like, they're not the pinnacle of health. So mm-hmm. um, we, uh, it was Ashley's sister who was supposed to host Thanksgiving this year. She wanted to do that. And then, uh, in Indiana, the the number of cases are getting to be like pretty substantial, and it's it's not it's not Illinois level, but like, oh, is Illinois bad? I don't watch the news at all. Uh, no Illinois idea. is really bad, like yeah? really cool. really. That's bad. where I'm at. Um, but Ashley and I last night we're just like, no, we're just we're just not going to go. 
you guys can do what you want to do, but we're not going to go. Um, and then I think Ashley's parents decided today that they're not going to go either. And so Ashley's sisters was are like concerned about hosting Thanksgiving. It's, it's like just a really stressful time for people because I feel like they feel family pressure to do an event, even though they might not think it's a good idea. Yeah, Sarah's, Sarah's in the same boat. I don't think about Thanksgiving until like the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. I'm like, oh, where are we going to go? Uh, but Sarah's feeling pressure from my parents to go over to their house because like my parents are like, we never see anybody. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> but, uh, but Sarah works in a school and they're still in session in Indiana. But um, I don't really interact with people during the day much, so I'm not too worried about me. Like I can be solo. Like the closest I've been to somebody today is like ten feet. You know, is that right? Um, but uh, yeah. Well, I and mean, I think that's uh, to your benefit yeah. um, that everyone thinks that you're the sick person, right? Because then when you go out to a, do a job, invariably they they stay away uh, far away from you, right? Yeah, like my customers right now, they're like not here. I'm at somebody's house, the job is done, and they're not here because <laughs> they wanted to leave. Uh, so it's kind of nice. I do get – that's probably my favorite part of uh, of this pandemic is uh, being left like completely alone. It's totally delightful. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, excellent. Yeah. So what else you got to complain about? Um Mostly my crippling depression. Uh, I don't have it right this very minute because I'm hanging out with Abe on the phone. Uh, but like waking up in the morning is impossible. Like I, I hate doing it because I have to go to a job that uh, is way too busy and I've been doing it for 25 years. and I'm sick of doing it. Um, I started when I was 13, so I've been doing this job for 25 years. So uh, I know that I've said this before, but maybe maybe I can encourage you to change your mind. Um if you want less jobs, uh, double your hourly rate. Did no, double it again. No, well, we did it once already. Now it's now we're like, wow, there's money in the bank account. We got to keep doing this. Well, <laughs> I don't think your rate is high enough. So no, I don't think it is either. I saw a uh, I don't know if I told you this. I was at a customer's, um, and they're remodeling the entire house, so they were never there. Like the whole interior of the house is gutted. Uh, and we would do like, it was like a dozen windows. Um, and I knew what we were charging. I was like, wow, dad got some bucks for this one. Good. And this is kind of a, it's a, it's a dumpier old house. Like they're doing a full gut on the inside and everything. I'm like, well, okay. Um, so it was nice to work there. Have no, have nobody around the house. You don't have to even worry about wiping your feet cause there's no flooring, you know? Um, but they had, I, w- I was like in the kitchen and I'm, and I'm like, look to my left and there's two estimates from two different companies. And, uh, both of those companies to provide the exact same service were three times as much as me. Yeah, so, man. Just like uh, yeah. double your rate and bank it. <laughs> and then we don't get the jobs. We don't get the jobs. But, um, well, you've yeah, already we, said we you have once, more work than so. you can do. So just keep raising the price until you have as much yeah. work as you want to do. That's, that's kind of the goal. And then, then you back it down a few clicks and, uh, and it's a balance, right? Yeah. Yeah, my goal is to work uh, three or four days a week at this job and a couple days a week at grid life and then have some semblance of a personal life. Yeah. Um, This year, my work-life balance is just out of control, like literally out of control. We're talking, uh, how many events did we do? We only did like 10. Yeah, it felt like fewer COVID-related, right? Um, But so like those events, uh, that takes up usually a weekend. So, you know, you work... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like a crazy amount of hours in three days. And, and then I would, I'll, I'll hustle home 
um, and then go immediately right to work the next day. He spent like a whole day traveling most of the time. And then you work uh, a crazy tired day uh, where you're getting a ton of emails about questions and things afterwards and beforehand. Um, so like my days leading up to and after an event are like just total hell. Um, it's not fun. Like it is the absolute freaking worst. And, and like everybody on the staff is like, Oh, we'll farm some of that out to us. Like give us uh, let us, let us help. And it's like, it's more work for me to just not to send it to you. And then you're going to have to ask, ask, answer, ask me the question. You know what I mean? Like, sure. More, I could just send a reply, but like there are days where I'll, I'll have like 2,000 pieces of correspondence before an event, right? Like email, messages, text, uh, Slack, uh, what else do we got? Like the base camp, like all these fucking like phone apps you know, to do work, <laughs> like app after app after app just to get things done. And, uh, uh, it's the worst. <laughs> well, and then like, you know, you, you arrive late home Sunday, if not early Monday morning, you go to work and then like Monday when you're home, you've got to be a dad and a husband again. And you've got to pretend that you're not exhausted. Yeah. And then, and then when I get back on Monday, I got this like 60 foot rig in front of my house of which I have exactly 60 feet of grass in front of my house to park. And I don't want to leave that thing there forever. So then I got to uh, clean out the RV and bring it to my building, um, which the which Cook County is going to steal from me because they raise the property taxes from eight thousand to thirty eight thousand dollars a year. I can't afford that and afford to pay myself, so they're going to steal this building like as soon as I'm done paying for it, which is in thirteen months, um, or maybe sooner. And uh, <laughs> that's frustrating. And and then I got to bring the trailer an hour north or forty five minutes north to Gridlife through the city of Chicago to unload a, a whole sh- heap shit heap of merch and everything uh, that goes for an event uh, because I'm the only one with a competent uh, ability to tow things. It seems like <laughs> I think I think Gridlife um, needs a a semi trailer and or it's right to the point where we do like we need a semi trailer or we just need like a few dudes with big trailers. Well, like. Um, I know that we've made this joke before, but like the way that Gridlife kind of runs the show and all of the pieces that go into it, it's, I, I don't think it's unfair to just call it like dirtbag F1. Um, it's a lot of stuff. Like but it's, like it's, we, we have a bunch of the logistical yeah. problems that a big organization that moves around like that typically right. has. Yeah. Uh, it, like uh, I, I sent Chris a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, Facebook ads, uh, marketplace ads for like uh, semi trucks <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know that it's the right choice to buy the, the tractor trailer combo or if we just need a trailer. But uh, if we if we had at least a trailer, we could pay someone to drive a truck around when we need someone to drive a truck around. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. If you buy a tractor trailer, then do you register it as an RV so that anybody uh, with skill can drive it? You don't have to do all the interstate commerce but then that's illegal because it's for a business so whose name is it in and that's illegal if you're hauling business like there's so many legal hoops to jump through if you like get into like the whole semi-truck stuff like all of a sudden life becomes unaffordable again until you grow the business big enough um but yeah it's just it, like we're, we're right in the middle of like a lot of well, and and well, I, I bet it's people too big don't, for small things yeah you're too right. small for big things right? well and i i bet people wouldn't appreciate uh, or maybe not be thinking about how much volume um, like the merch sale at Midwest brings and like 
the amount of stuff that you have to bring in order to make those merch sales. It's like, yeah. we're not complaining. It's just like, it's a lot of space. And, and people are like, oh, then you make all that money. But that all that money like pays off past debt from the past seven years or like pays the rent to store all the junk. Like it's this it's this hungry beast that needs to be fed all the time. And nobody's like nobody's getting rich on any of it. <laughs> like that's the problem. But um, but it's still like passion project stuff, too. Like I'm not doing any of this for money like at all. Uh, I, I just want to go at this point. I daydream about going going uh, doing HPDEs with like. The three balls racing or like freaking Johnny, Johnny numbnuts track day. Like, I don't, I don't care. I just want to go drive again. Right. Well, it's, it's funny. Of the time like, I can't bring my car because my trailer's full of junk. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, interesting in my case is I think the, the opposite is true. Like I don't feel the same like need to drive that I used to. Um, mm-hmm. but I, uh, continue to stay involved and Ashley is involved because we like the people that were around and the thought right. of not going is worse than the like commitment to go, you know? Right. And I'm just like daydreaming about staying home and running an event from a desk. It's not terrible. I can tell you that I get more done when I'm here because I have to spend less time like dealing with, uh, like immediate problems. Right. I, th- I think I could I could be very effective. Um, on the on the way home from NOLA, I was I was brainstorming this stuff with Cone, and I think if I if I distill down and really really edit my drivers' meetings and record them, like they could be played over a PA, and it could be more effective than me or or a loudspeaker. You know, gather everybody into an area and they just, just play them, um, or somebody records them. You know, if we can have Wilford Brimley record me, you know. The, well, dude, if the, if we had good <laughs> internet at the tracks we went to, you could. You I could, could live, host. I mean, I could, I could, I could be on a webcam the entire time too. You, know? you could, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. Any anybody asking me a question, you know, any, whoever's in charge, if they can't solve it, and like they need my opinion or, or your opinion or whoever's who's not there, like uh, I was texting you at the events you couldn't make to make to do stuff like a bunch of times a day, and so and you were dealing with timing and scoring, and you were announcing, uh, you know, via Discord or however you guys did that, and it's like. I don't know. There's going to be an event next year, probably that I don't drive 25 hours to. You know? but, yeah. Right. Um, um, can we talk at all about the schedule? Is it like final final? Uh, it is basically locked now. And just yesterday we heard the, uh, uh, the middle Ohio date. Finally, we were, we were waiting uh, on TV schedules for like NASCAR and IndyCar, whoever, whoever does TV crap at middle Ohio. IMSA, I think, um, but uh, I don't think we can. Uh, I mean, I, I want to let uh, I want to let Chris put together the, the page and everything um, before we give dates out. But we are we're definitely going to at least one new track, um, and that's going to be in Kansas, which will be fun. Uh, the track looks totally freaking rad um, in Topeka, so that'll be fun. But um, thanks for ruining contract it. that one. Have you, uh, have you looked at an in-car video of that place? Uh, I only kind of did. For like for like the last two weeks, I have uh, been like so focused on moving that there have been like days where I don't look at any kind of social. Oh, well, I, I've noticed that, you, that I haven't heard from you very much. So I thought, well, Abe's a busy boy. Yeah, yeah well, in-car video of that place, like it looks super fun. Uh, it looks like it races really well. Um it's got a drag strip and a skid pad also, so it might be fun evening test and tune activities happening um, on the drag strip. 
uh, maybe drift skid pad stuff. A lot of, a lot of details to sort, but. So um, uh, I was just working on, uh, I, I actually did publish today just the kind of the raw or mostly raw uh, feed from Double Drift. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. What was your impression of how that went? Uh, do you expect that we will do it again in the future? Oh, the, uh, the audio that I recorded? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you put that up. Yeah, um, I did. No, it was, uh, it was really freaking fun. Like I, Friday night, uh, Swan, Nick Swan, the, the drift lead, uh, he was super stressed because they had done a practice session and like, uh, and we kind of needed to see the drift cars run this crazy car track with 87 combinations or whatever, eight, I think it's 88 combinations. Um, and we needed to see people drive it. Right. And, uh, we had like a rough rule set, uh, and, but we needed to kind of lay out like start finish points and like, how are we going to do run a show? Uh, so Friday night he had seen a bunch of, he had seen the 30 cars or whatever that competed drive it. And he was stressed because it didn't feel good. Like it didn't feel right. Um, like it just felt clunky and the, and it felt confusing, but you know, the first time at a track like that, you're going to be, con- most of the drivers are going to be confused anyway. But, um, so we spent probably from track went cold, big track went cold at like six and from like six thirty till midnight, uh, Swan and I were like talking about double drift and then Chris comes in the mix and then Cone comes in the mix. And then, yeah, it was till basically midnight. Like we're, we're hashing out the, the, if this, then that kind of stuff. So that was a busy, stressful night. And I'm glad we did that. Cause it, Saturday night, like it was kind of rad. Like it was really freaking fun. Um, I wish it was dry. It would have been amazing if it was dry, but there were still a lot of spectators. I mean, there's big balconies on the cart track buildings. Like there's two big buildings in the cart track. And so, I mean, the balconies were, were full of people. Uh, the whole rail was full of people. People, it was drizzling, but people were still hanging out watching. Um, and it was really, it was pretty interesting to see the combinations that some of the drivers put together. Um, kind of the rough rules of it where uh, it's two drivers and they're not competing against each other. They're on a team, which is tr- different from traditional drift, you know? And then, uh, and then they just kind of get to use this crazy track uh, as uh, like a, they get to paint their own picture with their cars. Like they can meet up in the middle or drift the entire thing in tandem or uh, like it was very, it was very unique. Uh, and it was kind of super fun to see what some of the, one of the some of the drivers did. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think people were a little bit worried about um, maybe maybe they weren't taking full advantage of it yet because they didn't really they didn't have a good idea of like what to do because they'd never seen it before. But right. I think now that the first event has been run, people who are driving are going to have a better idea of like how they can use their own creativity to do things in the future, right? Like yeah. the as an example, like the nose to nose thing that Andy and Robert had done, like no one's ever seen that before. So kudos to them for thinking, Hey, we should do this. Yeah. Um, They started nose to nose and uh, Thorne was backing up uh, and Smedica was chasing him. And then Thorne did a J turn and then they like had a perfect tandem right afterwards. Like it was pretty rad. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It was a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. The ending of theirs was kind of the, uh, like it was, it was, it was like traditional drift cool, but also kind of stunt driving. Like they got into like a pretty close and then like basically a perfect, like, uh, like donut, uh, like, I don't know, even, I don't even know how to say it. Each car was doing a donut, but they were perfectly parallel. Um, 
and like the front front tire of each car was at the door of the other car. Man, I wish, bolt, I wish there like, was video of this. While they were doing it, they took their steering wheels off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they did that. They didn't even crash into each other. That's that's uh, literally the coolest. Yeah, they hung the steering wheels out and then stopped. And, like, people kind of went nuts. It was pretty rad. Like, it was a really good final run. So. Well, and, like, um, I, I imagine now that the first event's done, like, more crazy wild stuff is going to happen. Uh, I can't wait yeah, to see if, some if of we it do it video. again. I, it's going to be, especially if it's dry, like it's going to be wild. I think. Um, well, like, yeah, I don't know that, that freestyle element I think is so cool. Um, right. and if you compare it to our conventional drift format, like, um, the conventional drift format is really cool for the spectators. Um, mm-hmm. but they're kind of confined, um, in their runs to where the track is. If you have a place with this many different configurations, it's like, well, you run wherever you want. You guys get to decide. Yeah. uh, I'm kind of thinking like, do, can we adapt this to a road course? I think it would, it would have to be the right road course or the right section of road course. Um, But uh, PPIR, I think you could do it there. Right. Because Um, there are like in the infield, there are multiple different places to go. Yeah. Yeah, if we lit up that infield uh, a little bit better in a few areas, there's like, uh, there's probably 10 options, you know, you can go backwards, if, if you can go forwards or backwards in each one, like it's a kind of a, it's a little bit of a maze. Um, so that's, that's maybe a place, I don't, like I don't know about the future of NOLA, there's a lot of management changes there right now, but we're going to try to go there again next year, but uh, yeah, we're not, not sure yet, um, but uh Literally, the Sunday we were there was the last day of the manager who's been courting us for uh, two years, like begging us to come. And then, uh, and then the the other guy that we've been dealing with for like a year and a half, like he's probably going to quit. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. There's, we'll see what happens there. Hopefully things are stable and chill because I, I loved that track. I loved working with the like the race control guy was awesome. Uh, the main corner worker, like he was just amazing to, to work with. Um, probably the best uh, first time at a track like we've ever had anywhere. Uh, really? Like tra- track side, it felt, I mean, it felt, it felt perfect almost track side and it's a safer track. So like if people go off, they just keep count. They, they, they continue. But even though it's like a really high speed gingerman, you know? Um, so not, but even with the rain, like almost no stuck cars. I think we had like three toes for people that were stuck and like three mechanicals, uh, like the tow truck, tow truck guys were bored. It was, uh, it was pretty rad. It was a pretty busy event, too. We had, you know, it was a lot of time tech cars and like a 20-ish car field with GLTC and uh, intermediate was over, was like 25 cars. Advanced was like 10 or 15. Beginner was like 10 or 15. Like, it was a decent field. Um, not totally full, but it's also a thousand miles away from home. Well, uh, an, an interesting thing that's, that's happened now twice in the last two years is that Gridlife adds an event kind of last minute and is not part of the early announcement of the season. Uh, I remember in 2019, we announced PPIR event, like, and it was almost a thing that even I didn't know anything about in terms of like the lead up to the event. It was just like a thing that was happening so fast that um, we we were just going to see how it went when we got there. And uh, and NOLA was a little bit similar this year where it was like, oh, it was just a thing that popped up on the calendar. And, uh, I guess we are lucky that the the drivers wanted to respond and go to NOLA because yeah. it's been a, a pretty well-reviewed uh, place, um, but it's so far in late in our schedule 
that mm-hmm. hoping to draw some people from the South was, was really good. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was concerned that, um, that it would be a pretty empty event, but, uh, I love that a lot of the drivers uh, from the Midwest made the track down. Like I knew two thirds of the drivers or half the drivers at least. It was great. So, uh, and then everybody was like, man, this track, this track is nuts. <laughs> and it is, it's like, it's a really cool track. So I drove one session in spec fit and it was freaking awesome. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. Now I realize that this isn't like necessarily an advertisement for the quality of the surface, but um, I did think it was interesting to see how drivers responded to some of the bumps in known locations on the circuit and having right. to like deal with the terrain as part of the race. Yeah, there was definitely some bumps. Like you can drive a, a line where the track is pretty smooth, but there's some sections, especially with the amount of rain that they just had. Uh, and hurricanes this year where the track was extra bumpy. I bet you in the middle of the summertime, uh, it ain't that bumpy, but it's also a thousand degrees, you know? Um, but the ground was definitely saturated because they had what, four or five hurricanes leading up to this. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was the start of the races were pretty wild because there was always a puddle, even though most of the track was dry, there was always a standing puddle, like at start finish. Um, and the start of the GLTC race is like from, and they were, they were like, at this point, they're like half a mile away from me or a quarter mile away from me or staring down the track. Uh, Cause I'm right at, I'm right at the last turn before the big straightaway in grid. And then it looks like something explodes at the start of every race. Cause somebody hits the puddle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, every time it happened, it kind of like uh, freaked me out for a split second, but um, yeah, very fast track, like really, really fast. Um, I mean, it, it was looking like the S's especially were probably a really, really fun place to drive because it was like, um, it looks like a gigantic version of a slalom. It is. Uh, I think uh, 115, 120 miles an hour for like some of the faster cars, like really properly sketchy fast. If you go off at 120 miles an hour, do you know how far you go? <laughs> Uh, like real crazy. Uh, but there's also some safety in it though, because like if you start to blow a turn, uh, you can just keep going straight. Yeah. They uh, had like a, a paved times, straight I, through the, through the S's if you needed it. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's got a backup, uh, and they would just cone it off. They wouldn't like barrier it off. It's got like uh, a little bit of backup, uh, runoff, um, where the cars can just keep going. And a bunch of times we had to, uh, scrub times because people were like, they ran their fastest time by like five seconds and Kevin would text me or Jason would text me and I'd have to investigate with the driver and talk to the corner workers and like, yep, that's the one. So scrub that time, you know? Um, yeah, it seemed for the most part, like it worked out really well. Um, with I being able to, uh, you know, speak to Kevin from here. Um, I didn't really feel like I was at a disadvantage for not being there. Yeah. We're getting pretty good at like this remote work stuff, or at least in in my capacity within Grid Life, it is something that I can do from home. the mm-hmm. The tricky spot is uh, I needed to check um, after the fact. Uh, what the one of the drivers, Mosley, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I had to talk to him afterwards because he was quite literally so much faster than everyone else. I right. had to make sure that he was legal. Yeah, he he just knew that track. He'd been there a bunch of times. Um, it was. It wasn't even his car. Uh, it was just like a buddy's borrowed, like brand new off the shelf Grand Sport, <laughs> and uh, uh, he just put AO fifty twos on it. That's all he did. So, 
Yeah, he was, um, I think he was running like 150-ish, and everyone else was running like 154, 155. Yeah. And uh, like the, the other drivers weren't slouches. It was just like, no, man, he knows he knows the course, and he's fast. Yeah, he was very fast. But Der- And Derek, I think on the show before we went down there, he kind of called it um, uh, the, team, the time for GLTC, and I think he, he said that, uh, that Chet was going to win a street GT because <laughs> – because he knew the place so well. Yeah, well, that's yeah. exactly what happened. Um, yeah, there were, there were some really fast drivers from Texas, uh, which was super fun to see some uh, some more of uh, more of the Texas crowd uh, and a bunch of uh, a bunch of the drivers that uh, were in GLTC came, uh, had ran with us at Circuit of the Americas also, which is cool. So, yeah, um, I mean, um, getting to Texas from Chicago is kind of a pain, but. Um, my impression is going to NOLA is quite a bit easier. It was definitely, I mean, it's, it's a drive. It's like, for me, it's, it's, it's like a hundred miles more than road Atlanta. Um, but it wasn't a bad drive. Like I took uh, 57 down through Illinois, which is like largely smooth versus like the first three hours of the road Atlanta drive is like going to Indianapolis on 65. And it's the worst road on the planet. That might be true. Um, so bad, especially like in, in, if, like the, that, that road moves around with the weather. Uh, like, dude, it's so bad. If, if, you, if it's rained, like 65 is, it's so, so rough. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was glad I not had to take 65 like three times this year. <laughs> I didn't have to take it at all, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I still like, I, I at least appreciate, at least when you're not driving an RV that like, you could go pretty fast on it. That's nice. Oh yeah. My favorite time ever driving 65 was in your Evo. Yeah. Um, I, I took it, uh, down and back to you or something like that. I forget, I forget what, but, um, uh, I know I took it back up here. We, I did some stuff and I drove it back down to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and dude, I, I think I cruised at like 105 for like an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> it, you know what, what's funny about that car? I sold it, I guess now 18 months ago. Yeah, like a year and a half. Yeah. I don't miss it at all. No, never think about it. Never. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um, that that's not to say that like I might you know appreciate having a fast-ish car, street car, at some point in the future. But like at right. the moment, I I don't know. I get my I get my kicks in Matt Williams spec, spec fit when I want. Um, yeah. And the rest of the time is just hanging out a good life. And I know that I really like makes me a driving loser, but, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you ever really connected with that car. I, I don't, uh, I don't think, uh, like I, I liked driving it, but like, I never felt like a super, super close connection to it. You know what I mean? Like, and it seemed like you were always like, well, yeah, it's fast. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, and, and I realized that I'm not half the driver that most of the street mod guys are these, these days. But, right. uh, like I, I put it together to compete in one lap and to run grid life. And right. then like when I had done those things, I was like, okay, well now what? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't exactly like an easy, cheap car to live with either. No, not at all. Um, like the brake rotors were a gajillion dollars and the tires were big and expensive and it drank E85 like it was going out of style. So much. Um, yeah. that said, I do think that a type R would be really cool. Type but, R would be super fun. Be a really good all-around car. Do some cooling mods and blast it around once in a while. At the moment, I'm I'm rocking the Odyssey minivan, and 
I'm so grateful that we bought it before the move because right. it came in really handy because we had to make like 50 extra trips to just pick up like the random crap that the yeah, movers didn't that. take. Just fold the seats down and uh pile it full of stuff. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we, uh, we did a show. I think we might've done, might've done a little show. Maybe, maybe you should go back to work. All right. Talk to you All soon. Right. All right, buddy. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits of the grid live to say hello. Hello.